morning and uh, happy Father's Day. How many dads we got in the room today? We got some dads around here. Let's give those dads a, a big hand and uh, welcome them here today. Uh, it's great to be here with all of you. Uh, my name is Paul Mumaw, and I'm the lead pastor at Genesis, and uh, we're looking at a verse today uh, that comes right out of the book of James, and uh, if you've got your own Bible and you want to turn there with us, uh, also you might find that under the seats and at the ends of some of the rows, we've got a, we've got a Bible, uh, and you're welcome to keep that. That's a gift to you if the, you don't have a Bible, but if you uh, want to follow along in that Bible, page 849, we're looking at James chapter 5, verse 16, when James writes writes this. He says, therefore, uh, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Uh, can we go before the Lord for just a moment? Will you take a moment with me? Let's bow our heads and just pray and ask God to open our hearts today. Father in heaven, uh, we thank you that we can come into this place today. We thank you for all these fathers that are here, Lord, and uh, for just a special reminder today of what it means to be a dad. Uh, God, we pray that as we continue in this Life App series and as we look specifically uh, at this passage today, a passion that uh, deals with the topic of confession, confession of sin, uh, God, would you open our hearts today? Uh, this is a tough topic. And uh, Father, we just pray that you would open up our hearts, that we would hear from you, and uh, that you would lead us down a path, Lord, towards confession and healing so that we are changed and that we look more and more like Jesus. And that uh, we just pray for that power in us today, that power from you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as uh, James writes, and as I've already mentioned, we're talking about confession today, and as we get started in talking about confession, I feel like that maybe it would just only be appropriate for me uh, to come clean on some things, uh, maybe do a little confessing uh, to kind of get us started, some things that you may or may not know or realize about me. First of all, this, I, I feel like it's important for me to confess if you didn't know that I'm a little quirky. Uh, I've got some quirky habits and uh, some quirky sort of tendencies, a little anal about some things, like to see things in order, straight and all that. I'm a, I'm a task list guy. We got any task list people here? I make a task list every Monday morning, and some of my quirkiness comes out in those task lists that it's not beyond me. There are times once in a while where I'll add something to my task list sometime during the week, something I've already done, but I write it down anyways just so that I can check it. It off. Anybody like that? Is there anybody in here? Am I okay? I'm not alone in that. Uh, you, you do that with me. Uh, here, here's something else I'll confess. Uh, sleeping at night is a bit of an ordeal for me. Uh, I, I've got this little routine that I go through every evening. Uh, for example, I, I take a shower most every night, no matter how many times I've already showered during that day. It's just something that I do. It's a part of my routine. I like to go to bed clean. And speaking of my bed, it has to be just right. Uh, in fact, I, I'm kind of, the sheets have to be tucked in just right. And I, I want them tight. I don't want them coming out in the middle of the night. I don't want my feet exposed. Uh, I also prefer that the sheet not come up over my neck. Uh, I, I like it to be tucked in just to the point that if I were to pull on it, it just comes up to my neck. Again, that it's nice and tight. I, I have gotten out of bed in the middle of the night to re-tuck in my sheets uh, just so that I can go back to sleep. My wife thinks that I'm crazy, but again, I'm, I'm a little quirky uh, when it comes to uh, how I sleep at night. I, I, I was terrified 
uh, of thunderstorms as a kid, and some of that terror as a kid has continued, not so much terror today, but a fascination and even some fear uh, with thunderstorms today, especially at nighttime. And speaking of the night, uh, the dark, I feel like I have to confess, the dark makes me a little nervous, uh, even to the point that if my wife is out of town and I'm at home alone, it's not beyond me. I'll leave a light on in the living room at night. Just, I, I don't know why. I mean, it's not like it does anything, but just knowing that that light on, again, just makes me feel a little more comfortable. And finally, I feel like I must confess that there was a time, there was an occasion in college uh, where I missed an intramural basketball game. Now, you might not think that's a big deal, but if you played intramural basketball, you know that's a big deal. I mean, you don't miss your games, but even worse, I missed my intramural basketball game to attend a Celine Dion concert uh, <laughs> with my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, Jenny. And the worst part was uh, confessing to the guys on my team where I was going to be that evening, uh, that, that I was going to be in Indianapolis. Uh, well, it worked out for me, though, all right? She married me, you know? So uh, I, I did something right. But I, I hope we all, I hope, I hope I'm not alone in this. I hope we've all got some things like that, some things that are a little embarrassing, uh, maybe some things that are a little unusual about us, maybe some of those things uh, that make us unique. But can I confess something else to you? Um, I hope you know uh, and I hope you realize, uh, maybe even encouraged to know, that I make mistakes, um, that, that I'm not perfect by any means, that even as your pastor, I hope maybe you'll find some encouragement in knowing that I get frustrated, uh, that there are times when I'm easily discouraged uh, and maybe angered a little more quickly than I'd like to be. Uh, sometimes I'm not as honest, probably, as I really should be when I think and reflect on it. And, and I don't know why, but, uh, but as a man, as a pastor, I still struggle with things like fear uh, and anxiety. There are times in my life where I've struggled with bitterness. Uh, I can be easily defensive at times, and I wish that I could tell you that I never struggled with things like temptation, uh, but I do. And because it's Father's Day, and like many of you dads that are here today, I am absolutely... 100% crazy about my kids and feel so blessed to have them, but I feel like I must confess that I'm not always the dad that I'd like to be, uh, not as good, not as patient as, it, as I would like to be, and I don't always love my wife uh, like I should either. You know, in Romans 3.23, the Apostle Paul reminds us that all of us have sinned every single one of us, and fall short of the glory of God. And like many of you, I have been saved by the death and the resurrection of my Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, I believe that his death paid the price and the penalty uh, for my life. I mean, he's my Lord and Savior. But I also know this, that until he returns, or until the day that he calls me home to be within him in heaven, sin will be one of those things that will always stand in the way of me becoming everything that God wants me to be. You see, as Christians, God's desire, His purpose for our life is He wants us to keep growing. He wants us to keep growing in our faith and in our integrity and the way that we live our lives in this world. He, he wants us to bear fruit and to bear fruit out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that means that, that God wants to do His work in us so that we look more and more like Jesus every single day. And do you want to know something? Confession of your sins is one of the most important tools that God uses to change us and to grow us. I mean, it's one of the most important ingredients in our relationship, our genuine relationship with Him. And what we're going to find today is that genuine confession in your life leads to genuine change and transformation and the kind of work that God wants to do 
in every single one of us. Well, if you're new with us, uh, we're a couple of weeks into this series, a series that we're calling uh, Life Apps, and we've been talking about the importance of applying what we read in Scripture to our lives, and, and kind of our key passage for this whole series also comes out of the book of James, uh, James chapter 1, verse 22. We looked at this verse a couple of weeks ago when James writes, uh, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but what does he say? He says, do what it says. Now, this is James. This is James, the brother of Jesus. He, he basically says, you know what? It's not enough to sit in church on Sundays and maybe get a little emotional or maybe get a little convicted by something that you hear and then do nothing with it. James says, do something about it. Like these words are here for a reason. They're from, from our Lord. And so he says, do something about it. I mean, that, that this Christian life isn't just about seeing something or hearing something once in a while and, again, experiencing some emotion with it. It's about doing things. And, and when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to our Bible, I mean, the point of Scripture is to apply it and to put it into practice. And uh, last week, um, our campus pastor, Ben, did a, a fantastic job uh, preaching about this forgiveness app that he, he reminded us that our God is a forgiving God. He, he is a forgiving God, and because he forgives, as Christians, we forgive. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're commanded to do by the scriptures is to forgive. Well, today we're looking at this app, the app that we'll call Confession. And, and, and so many times when we think about confession, uh, what do we think about first? And we think about being in big trouble, right? I mean, you think about confession, I mean, somebody's uh, in trouble. It's these images of criminals and uh, criminals uh, interrogated by the cops. These sorts of things come to mind. Or it's the high pressure of, uh, of sitting under the bright lights and maybe someone is pressured into a confession uh, in the hopes of cutting a deal or, uh, you know, hoping to get less of a punishment. Well, the confession James is describing here in James 5.16, is a spiritual discipline where we as followers of Jesus regularly search our hearts and search our, search our lives to see where it is that we're falling short, to see those things that are preventing the growth. And so many of us, when we think about confessing sins, uh, believe that we really only need to confess to God. All right, And there is some truth to that, that our sin is first and foremost against God, and so it's to Him that we should apologize. It's to Him that we should confess these things. And again, after all, Scripture tells us, and, and a verse that's very familiar to many of us here comes out of 1 John 1, 9, where it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that's good news, all right? This is absolute truth, and there is no doubting the importance of this whatsoever. And that, that's what so many of us need and what so many of us desire in the confession of our sins, but that's not all that the Bible has to say about the issue. I mean, it may surprise you to find that James had more to add, and in James 5.16, we see this, and he was talking to Christians. If you read the context, if you read the letter that James wrote, and if you look particularly at the context of this passage, James is talking to Christians, he's talking to men and women, he's describing the importance of your church family and the importance of community and being in relationship with one another and being authentic with each other. And so in James 5.16, he says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Healed. So that you may be healed, that you might be changed and different. And you know what? 
we've developed all sorts of mechanisms to deal with the issue uh, of sin and, and confession as Christians. Uh, uh, as Christians and in the church, we, we set up, we've talked about uh, accountability partners, and, uh, and, and maybe from time to time you get an accountability partner and you've got really good intentions, but oftentimes the big problem with accountability partners and with that particular relationship is that we never ask those questions that we ought to ask, or we stop asking uh, those hard questions of one another, or, or maybe we get into groups and, and we're supposed to hold each other accountable, and we're supposed to ask these sorts of difficult questions, but quite honestly, I mean, you know what it's like. You, you get tired of asking those questions. You get tired of airing your dirty laundry or talking about the garbage or the mess of your life. Um, and then we have, you know, what some of you, maybe the tradition that you grew up in, that whenever you hear the word confession, you think of the sacrament of confession, the Catholic sacrament of, of confession, or sometimes called penance, where maybe you walk into a booth, and it's a, a, dark, a, a booth that's covered in darkness, hopefully, and you confess to a priest that you barely know, and you hope that he doesn't really recognize your voice or uh, recognize who you are, and, and you tell him everything you've done. Uh, you confess everything that you've done since you've seen him last. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem with that sort of confession or the confession that we often practice as Christians is that life is kind of like this bucket, and we've all got our mess, we've all got our dirty laundry, we've all got our sin. We'll call this our sin bucket, and what's, what we do once in a while, if you're like me and if you're a Christian, is that we kind of go and we go somewhere where we can just kind of empty this bucket out a little bit, you know, and, and we get it cleaned out and we kind of dump it out. And, and that's not to say that there aren't sincere people or that we all haven't had these very sincere sort of genuine experiences where we go before the Lord or we go with someone else. But I just think that too many times we, we go before God, uh, we pray a prayer, uh, we get back to church, and our hope is to empty out this bucket so that we can just keep going back to the very same thing over and over again. And what happens for us is that we often misunderstand genuine confession for um, guilt relief. That we, we think we're emptying out this bucket, and, but maybe we don't really want to change. Because in emptying out the bucket, all that we're wanting to do is relieve some of that guilt that we're experiencing over and over again. Well, it might surprise you to know that guilt relief was never the purpose of confession. It's not simply to relieve our guilt. In fact, confession was, to be, was meant to be so much more. But to understand that, I think we need to kind of explore the evolution of some of this confession first. Uh, turn over to the Old Testament, uh, if you would. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, uh, the fourth book of the New Old Testament, uh, Numbers chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 5. Let me just read a, a few of the passages here for us. It'll be on the screen for you, too. Uh, we read this. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord is guilty and must confess the sins they have committed. They must make full restitution for the wrong they have done, add a fifth of the value to it, and give it all to the person that they've wronged. Now, let me just kind of help you understand what's happening here. In the Old Testament, uh, the Lord established a law for His people and His children that when you wrong someone, you would go to God. Because ultimately, all of our sin is an offense against the Lord. But what we see here and what we also find is that not only did he direct them to go to the Lord, uh, but he also would say that there was work to be done for the person, for the sake of the person that you had wronged. 
or that you had sinned against. And not just to tell them that you did something wrong, but to actually pay them back. Now, you might look at something like this and think, no, I mean, what on earth? I mean, why would you need to do something like that? I mean, isn't feeling guilty about it enough or just going to the Lord enough? I mean, why do I need to go to another person, another person that I stole from or another person that I hurt and pay them back for the loss that I caused? I, I think about um, one time in my life, I, I was right around middle school, maybe just into high school, and um, I spent the night uh, with a neighbor buddy uh, of mine. We, uh, he just was in my backyard, basically, and we slept out in the tent. Well, he had a bunch of bottle rockets. Uh, I mean, nothing says, you know, happy birthday, America, like a bottle rocket, right? And, uh, and so he had these bottle rockets, and, and it was kind of late into the night, and so we thought it'd just be fun to, to shoot these bottle rockets off. Well, uh, one of our neighbors, an elderly man, uh, he came out onto his back deck that evening and, and kind of let a shout out of, you know, hey, you're keeping me up. You need to knock it off. And I just think we sort of laughed at him and we just kind of kept setting off those bottle rockets until they were all gone. Well, the next morning I went home and I heard my mom and dad commenting that our next door neighbor was a little frustrated. They had had a conversation with him that in the middle or late into the night, there were two kids uh, that were shooting off bottle rockets. Well, my mom and dad quickly figured out that I must have been one of those kids uh, that was shooting off bottle rockets. And so not only was I in trouble with them for, uh, you know, doing something like this and, and, and not treating a neighbor like I should be treating a neighbor, but they made me walk across the yard over to the next door neighbor's house uh, and apologize uh, to my next door neighbor. Now, why did I have to do that? I mean, why not just apologize to my parents or apologize to God? I didn't sin against my mom and dad. I sinned against my neighbor. And, you know, did I learn a lesson that day about respect? And did I learn a lesson that day about the importance of confession and uh, making things right and about doing the right thing that day? You bet I did. And that's why God tells the nation of Israel to make restitution. See, here, here's what God knew and what we can see and find from this passage. It's in your notes if you want to write this down, that genuine confession, and I stress the importance of the word genuine, genuine confession is a first step towards repentance and reconciliation. Like That's what God's up to with the people here in the book of Numbers, repentance and reconciliation. Now, those are, are two big words and a little churchy, and so let's take a look at them individually uh, for just a moment. That word repentance means to turn away from. It means that you've been moving in one particular direction, but as we repent, as we acknowledge, as we confess our sin, we turn and we start moving in a different direction. We don't keep moving in that direction. In the case of personal sin, it means that I move away from that sin with no intention of going back and to move away from sin and to move towards God. It's a change of behavior is what it is. It's an ultimate change of behavior. Genuine confession is meant to change our behavior. Now, when we have hurt someone else, when we've offended or sinned against someone else, reconciliation is about restoring or reengaging with God and with that other person. Like it's making the effort to make things right. Once again, reconciliation is about changing the relationship. It's about restoring that relationship with someone else. It's ultimately about restoring our relationship with God and making it right once again. And again, genuine confession is meant to complete the work and to get us moving towards rep repentance and reconciliation. And there's an example of this later on in Scripture. Uh, turn over to the New Testament, if you would, uh, to the New Testament book of Luke. 
just a uh, third book there uh, in the Gospels. We're going to look briefly at an example that happened hundreds of years later when Jesus was on the scene. Uh, and what we find is, and if you read this particular story, is that one day Jesus is out and uh, he's walking along, and it's a very popular time in his ministry. And he's walking down this road, and there are crowds of people lined up on both sides of the street. And eventually, uh, he comes up to a man, a tax collector, uh, who was very anxious uh, to meet with Jesus. Now, who was it? Uh, it was a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. And if you know of Zacchaeus at all, you know that he was a wee little man, right? And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a what? A sycamore tree, all right, all the people that went to Sunday school, all right, you know the song, you know the story, uh, but he climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Well, tax collectors were bad people, all right? Uh, uh, the Jewish people hated them. They were traitors. They, they cheated uh, the people of their money. They worked for the oppressive Roman government. And if you read through the Gospels, you'll find on a number of occasions where they get singled out. It's not only the sinners that Jesus spent time with, but it'll say specifically the sinners and the tax collectors. Like they're in a category uh, all, of all of their own. And, and Zacchaeus wasn't just any tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector, meaning that he had others that reported to him. And so he's not a very very popular guy, but let's look at this account in Luke chapter 19, uh, starting in verse 5. Again, the words are for us on the screen. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, this would have caused a collective gasp in the crowd. All right, because if you were a Jew, you didn't spend time with tax collectors. You didn't go to their home. I mean, no one would ever think of going to a home to eat with a sinner. This would make you unclean, especially a tax collector. Verse 6, it says, So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now. I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, what does he mean if? I mean, we all know that he's cheated. I mean, he's cheated the people. But you see, not only did he confess to Jesus, but he's going to make a genuine effort, not only in the direction of repentance, but also in this area of reconciliation. And what was Jesus' response? He said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. See, here's what Jesus identifies. This is genuine confession. I mean, we see this as soon as Jesus had a genuine encounter with Jesus. He took steps in genuine confession. He took steps towards repentance and reconciliation with those he had sinned against. There is a definite change in attitude, a new change in his approach, and in his mindset, and more than anything, what I think we see from this account is, is that where there is genuine confession, so often there's genuine change. Genuine confession leads to genuine change, and that's what the Lord's after. That's what the Lord is after with me and with you, is He, he wants us to confess and to be genuine and authentic and real and honest in it, and not only to confess our sins in such a way that we empty out our bucket and to relieve the guilt, but we confess our sins in such a way that we say, okay, I want to change now. I want to make things right with the person that I've sinned against. 
I want to make things right. And as I confess, I am ready now to start moving in another direction, another direction that paves the way for the Lord to do even greater things in my life. That's the real purpose of confession. You know, the genuine confession helps us see that our sin, uh, uh, that, it, that it hurts God, and that many times it hurt others too. I mean, genuine confession, it brings us back to reality. It humbles us. And again, the purpose of our confession is not to simply relieve the guilt, but to change us and to change our ways. I mean, we, when we confess, when we genuinely confess, we acknowledge the reality of who we are and more importantly, who it is that we really need that we all need Jesus, uh, that we need His presence, and that we need His very best work in our lives. And so James writes to Christians. He writes to men. He's writing to dads. He's writing to women and to moms and to students, to college students and high school students and middle school students. And he says, hey, if you want to grow as a Christian, if you want to live your life totally surrendered to the Lord and grow in your relationship with Jesus, he says, make it a practice. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, why is this important? I mean, what, 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 what's this look like to confess as James describes? Well, of course, every situation is going to be different, but let me just give you some final thoughts to consider as it uh, comes to this idea of confession and what that looks like today. First, when it comes to the real problem of sin in our lives, I mean, if we ever hope to grow uh, we have to make it a regular practice to confess our sins to God. I mean, genuine confession uh, deepens our relationship with God. It humbles us. And when we confess to God, when we make it a practice to confess to God, we're inviting Him in to do even greater things in us. And we ask Him to search us, and we ask Him to forgive us. But if we're ever going to discover real change and healing and victory over sin, we need to do what James instructs. And that means as often as possible, we should confess our sin to someone else. That there needs to be someone else in your life that you can go to and turn to. And ideally, every Christian, every follower of Jesus would have someone else in your life. If you're a man, you would have another man. If you're a woman, you would have another woman in your life that you could go to, that you could confess to. Uh, anyone that you would meet with regularly to talk about faith, uh, to talk about your life, to talk about your circumstances, to talk about your highs and your lows. Someone you can share your temptations with someone that you can confess your sins to, James says, confess your sins to someone else, to another person, to one another. We all need, every single one of us, we need someone like that, someone that can ask the tough questions, uh, someone who's big enough to hear anything that you might have to share but not quick to judge you, uh, someone who can encourage you, someone who can guide you to the truth and share Christ's love with you. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it like this about this sort of confession. He says, our brother has been given to us to help us. He hears the confession of our sins in Christ's deed, and he forgives our sins in Christ's name. He keeps the secret of our confession as God keeps it. He says, when I go to my brother to confess, I'm going to God. First Peter chapter 2 says that as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are all priests. We are all God's chosen people to be present and available to one another, that we can pray for each other. Let me ask you today, who's that person for you? Uh, who's that person that you have in your life? That person uh, could be here at Genesis right now. Uh, maybe that person for you is a friend from another church, uh, but someone you trust, someone that will listen, someone that will pray for you. Uh, maybe it's someone from your connection group right now. Maybe a, a ministry leader here at Genesis. 
Uh, if you don't know, if you don't have a person like this in your life, I, I want to challenge I want to challenge you to pray for that person. Pray for God to put somebody in your life that you can talk to, that you can have that sort of friendship and relationship with. James urges Christians to confess to one another. Second, since confession is a way uh, to ultimately reconcile our relationship with God, we need to be ready to confess anything in our lives that is separating us from Him. Uh, Dr. Henry Cloud talks about this. He, he suggests that anything uh, that remains unconfessed in our lives is still living in sin, and, and it's living in darkness. And, and so that means that we can be fully saved uh, in our relationship with Jesus Christ, but still have parts of our life and our soul that struggle in sin. And sin prevents us from growing. It keeps us from growing in our relationship. And so for this reason, uh, it's important to practice confessing completely. And you got to find ways in your life to just be so brutally honest with God. You know, again, because he already knows. And so uh, I just want to continue challenging you and urging you to make time alone with the Lord. Make that time and, and take that time every day if you can or, or try and get some time every week where you can just simply be alone with the Lord. And as you invest in your relationship with Jesus and as you're reading your Bible and praying, ask God to reveal the things in your life that, that, you've been able to, to, uh, that you haven't been able to confess before. Ask him to reveal some of those things, that sin in your life that you've grown so accustomed to that you don't even realize it or see it anymore. I mean, and, and after you do that, share these things you know, with that friend or confess these things uh, to a friend so that they can hold you accountable to them as well. Paul David Tripp says it like this, exposure of your sin is not your problem. Denying it is. He says it's only when you confess the depth of your sin that you get excited about grace. Isn't that good? I mean, that if we, if we confess we know that he is faithful and just and as we confess we experience more and more of the depths of love and grace of our Father. And finally, when you confess, uh, as you experience God's grace for your life, desire change. Like, let that be your motivation. You know, that as you confess, as you go before the Lord, as you share with a friend, desire to change, desire to be ruled by God. I mean, confession helps us understand the reality of who we are and to see more clearly the gap between ourselves and the standard that God has uh, for our lives. Confession reminds us. It reminds us that we're imperfect. It reminds us that we need a Savior. And, and anyone who is a Christian, anyone that's a genuine Christian will tell you that they're a sinner, but so many of us, the challenge is that we just never own up to our sin. I mean, we never own up to it. And, but when you desire change, it, it causes you to look inward. And, and sometimes it causes us to see how far we still have to go. And more than anything, it increases our need for more of Jesus. And we realize how much we need Him, and when things are working right and I want to change, that serves to strengthen my relationship with Him. Genuine confession leads to genuine change. Find somebody in your life that you can confess to. Be brutally honest before the Lord and maybe with that someone else and desire change as you share these things. And so let me ask you this before we wrap up here. Where are you with, with something like this today? How, how are you practicing confession in your life and are you witnessing any change? Let me talk to you, uh, maybe those of you for just a moment that maybe realize or you're recognizing that you've been carrying around the same bad habit for years, stuck in the very same things. And maybe for you, it's um, a problem with drinking 
Uh, maybe for you, it's you know that you're not treating your wife, you're not treating your husband the way that they ought to be treated. Maybe you can't stop hurting their feelings. Maybe you can't stop cheating or stop looking at that. Maybe for you, it's a problem with gossip or uh, it has something to do with honesty, honesty at work, honesty in your own personal finances, whatever that be. And, and every time you do it and every time you sin, you think to yourself, you know what, this time I'm going to stop. And we experience the guilt, and maybe each time, I mean, you know, it happens, and you feel like your bucket is full, you go before God, and we empty it out before Him, and, and maybe we really want to change, but maybe more than we realize, what we're already only looking for is for God to just simply relieve the guilt, to take the guilt away, and so we empty out our bucket before the Lord, and then we're right back at it again. If that's you... If that's where you are today, then you need to confess. And more, most importantly, you need to take these things before the Lord and ask for His strength. But as James says, you need to find somebody in your life that you can talk to. And maybe you've got that someone in your life, but you've never shared these things with them. I mean, maybe that confession for you means going to the person that you've sinned against or the person that you've offended and making restitution, I guess, if you would, as Numbers commands. I mean, maybe part of your confession is that that's been missing is that you haven't made it right with the person that you've heard, and so you need to confess in a way that leads to repentance and leads to reconciliation. But I think there could also be somebody else here today that maybe you know this or you realize some of this, but um, you're not ready to do that. And uh, if you're honest with yourself, um, you know, I've got another suggestion for you. I mean, would you be willing, I'm going to ask you this, would you be willing to start praying a little differently? Because if, if there's part of you that wants to grow in your relationship with Jesus, but you know that you've got some sin in your life, uh, you've got some things that are going on in your life, and you're carrying them around, and maybe you like to go before God and empty these things out, but the truth is, again, if you're brutally honest, you might empty these out before God once in a while, but you really have no great desire to change. And maybe you would even know and acknowledge that, but I'm just simply relieving this guilt because I want to go back to doing the very same things that I want to do. Now, I know that that might be a tough thing to realize, and, and if that's you, it might even sting a little bit today, but can I challenge you to do something a little differently? Instead of going before the Lord and really trying to lie to Him about your intentions, when only you're wanting to just simply relieve the guilt, would you maybe be willing to just pray and just come clean before him and say, God, I, I don't know if I'm ready to change yet, but would you maybe open my heart to see some of those things that I'm not seeing? Would you open my heart to maybe do some of those things that I'm not yet really willing to do? And just be honest with him. And be honest with him like you never had before, before God and maybe someone else. And finally, for those of you that are here today and you really want to change, in fact, uh, you would even say, you know what, I'm desperate for change, but you're worried what might happen when you start confessing, when you come clean, maybe with somebody else or the person that you've sinned against. Uh, maybe you're worried about what your boss will say. Maybe you're worried about what your parents will say or your spouse will say or your friends will say when they find out. The truth is that when you confess, there are some things that might quite possibly change. And the truth is that there may be some pain associated with the confession, but I promise you this, that the consequences of our secrets are far greater than the consequences of confession. Because the facts, the facts are that if you've got a splinter, at some point it has to come out. 
and you got to get it out. And so I just want to challenge you today and say, don't let fear keep you from confessing. And if you're at a place right now that you know that you've got a secret and you've got some sin in your life and you desire to change and you need help and nothing seems to be working, I want to challenge you to find someone to talk to. Uh, maybe find a counselor that you can talk to. Help, let us help you find a counselor that you can speak with. I mean, we've got people here on the team at Genesis that would be more than happy to listen to you, to talk with you. James has the best in mind for us when he says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that you may be healed and be different. And as James talks about in James 1, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that that sort of doing and that sort of change leads to freedom. And freedom like we've never experienced before, freedom like we haven't experienced in a really long time. You know, I got to tell you, um, a few months back, uh, I hit a low for me um, that was a little uncomfortable. And a metaphor that I've used that uh, really has been important to me in just kind of recognizing who I am and some of my weaknesses and struggles uh, was that if you would imagine your life like a tank, um, and that tank is sometimes full of so much fuel, I, I just really sensed and believed that my tank was very low and just was just struggling, you know, and just a little burnout and, and trying to keep up with the pace of life and expectations and all these things. And so there was a day, and I remember that day where I called Jenny, and I just kind of started crying on the phone and just confessed that, hey, I I just don't have a lot in me to give at the moment, and she knew, right? I mean, we, your wife always knows, and, um, and so I went to see a counselor, and uh, it shouldn't be a surprise that uh, I've got buddies in ministry, guys that have been in ministry much longer than I have, and they have told me along the way, Paul, you will do well as a pastor to spend some time sitting with a counselor once in a while. It's good. It's just like going to the dentist. Go have a checkup, you know? And, and so I did, and I made that appointment, and I went, and I sat, and I talked with a counselor for a couple of hours one day, and man, he just really kind of shared, um, you know, Christ's desire for me, and and he prayed for me, and it was in sitting there with him that I just realized that more often than I realize, you know, my sin uh, is that I so take for granted my relationship with Jesus Christ. And in full-time ministry, it is just so easy to get caught up in the pattern and the pace that we allow that pattern and pace really to replace the importance of my individual relationship with Jesus. And again, this counselor prayed with me, and I will not forget getting in my car and even still just kind of confessing before the Lord, saying, Lord, I am sorry. I am so sorry for taking my relationship with you for granted. Will you please forgive me? And really knowing and sensing the power of that moment when I knew and believed that the presence of Jesus came into that car with me, and it was just like he came so close to me and saying, okay, now, great, I love you, and I forgive you, and now that I've got your attention, let's keep going. Let's keep doing some great and some awesome things. I want to do even greater things in your life, Paul, and that day was so special for me. Richard Foster says it like this. He says, remember the heart of the Father, he is like a shepherd who will risk anything to find the one lost sheep. We do not have to make God willing to forgive. In fact, it is God who is working to make us willing to seek his forgiveness. What do you need to confess today? To whom do you need to confess? And, and maybe not just to God, but maybe to that person that you've hurt. 
Maybe there's someone that you need to go to and you need just to say, hey, I got to come clean on some things because something has to change. David writes it like this as our band is coming out in Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 and 24. David prays, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want to challenge you to pray that prayer today, maybe even right now. And um, our band's going to sing this song for us and just going to ask you to stay seated where you are and maybe reflect on some of the things that we've talked about today. But is there something in your life that you need to confess, maybe even this morning? Uh, Is there an appointment that you need to make uh, with a friend, um, someone that you've hurt, maybe somebody like a counselor? But would you just ask God, would you just pray to God, God, would you search my heart right now and test all my ways, reveal what's there, and then lead me? Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we just ask, we invite you to do that work in us right now. As we just get honest before you, God, we pray and ask that you would search our hearts and that you would lead us in where to go from here. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.